Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsperse.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. Good evening, welcome Yo. everybody. Oh, are we live? So, we are live. Yeah, we're live. And, and yeah. Nick's still trying to work out where to put his headphones. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just prizing wax out of my, my, oh. the, the ear. I like your... Oh, God, Nick. There's always one, isn't there? There's always one. We'll get Caroline, do forgive us. Yeah, you're working with three gross blokes. Yeah. It's like... I like the I like the, the very fashionable curl you're, sport, you're sporting down the middle of your forehead, Nick. It's, uh, like uh, yeah, black. that is not delivered. I saw that. It's a bit... I, the, I think had. there is a Jimmy, Jimmy yeah, Dean or somebody. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. Don't apologise. I think it looks cool. Look at all yeah. your hair. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, listen... I, I rent... I rent it out occasionally, Brady, you? if you fancy, Excellent. yeah, yeah. Oh, I appreciate that, yeah, <laughs> stick it on top. Um, listen, guys, thanks everybody for coming. This is going to be a busy show tonight, you can tell by uh, the social media feedback. Um, so just before we start, we're just going to get straight into it, but just before we start, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash wallpetmedics. Uh, price of a cup of tea or price of a cup of coffee is all we need. That's why we don't have any ads and we're not sponsored. And uh, we're completely independent and that's how we do it. So we appreciate we like everyone that. that comes on there. Fantastic. Yeah. If you can, great. If you can't, no sweat. Doesn't matter. We're going to be here anyway because we love doing this and we love being with you. But we particularly love being here tonight. We are here with Caroline Ingram, who everybody probably knows. And we could easily do an intro. But Caroline, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here tonight? Um, okay, a little bit about me. Um, in a nutshell, I've spent all my adult life uh, studying how animals self-medicate, bring themselves back into health from uh, all species, dogs, cats, horses, elephants, tigers, lions, and um, really sort of put all that research uh, into, um, yeah, in, into finding out a, a lot of information that can really help us communicate to an animal so they can let us know uh, pretty much what might be going on in those cases when you don't really know what is going on. So there's idiosyncratic conditions. Um, but yeah, I lecture, write books, uh, just finished writing an online course. You did. And I'm here tonight because you guys wanted me to talk a little bit about how it all works at some point this evening. Absolutely. Just before we jump into it, Caroline, I would just say, um, Now's a really good time because it's the beginning of the show. Um, what uh, what is the course that you're offering, and how can people get to that? Just now that it's the beginning, let's catch them while people are still awake before they've had. Have you seen somebody said, "I've I've select I've self selected chocolate and wine for watching Caroline this evening." <laughs> says says Alison, which is a great great thing to say. So. Just, just give us a little plug for the course, if so, you don't mind. So, yeah, the course at the moment is a distillation of everything I know, really, that I've put into um, two online modules. But there's a lot there from practical to science um, to, to giving people confidence in animals that they can self-medicate and going, 
a lot deeper. But I am going to um, put it in a little bit more bite-sized pieces pretty soon. So, you know, that person that really doesn't need to know all the science can, you know, get what they need from the course. So now it's all being created. I'm going to start doing that. Um, yeah, and and then the the main bulk of the course, then the people who've completed that, they will then go on to do a diploma course, which is pretty much all practical, because the um, online course is a mixture of practical science theory. It's a, uh, um, but I just wanted to say, self-selecting with wine and chocolate. Um, yeah, when it's a food, it's slightly different than. A secondary compound, but having said that, wine is a secondary metabolite. Yeah, so providing you're not, yeah, you know, one isn't. Um, it's it's when sugars and when something comes into a food, then it's very difficult um, to work with the same principles as self medication. So self medication is more when it's a medicinal plant that's bitter when it's not needed, and then it changes to sweet when it is needed. Um, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more in detail and when it's a nutrient which is slightly different from a medicinal plant um that sort of goes from pleasant to unpleasant so if you're eating spirulina if you're if you're working with spirulina yourself and it tastes nice it's because you need it but if you don't need it it just will be unpleasant same for the animals if you're working with a medicinal plant then it will taste sweet. So opposed to pleasant and unpleasant, it's either sweet or bitter. And that's to deter the healthy person from eating uh, or taking a medicine that's not needed. Ah, so it's taking too much of a good thing. Yeah, so it's 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 incredibly um powerful and it and incredibly complex, but incredibly simple at the same time. You know, nature has that out there you know if it smells bad feces um bacteria we stay away and if it's good especially with plants that have been in our evolutionary history so we can recognize them same for the animals then we're attracted to those we need and you Anna, because you yeah. i did that with you in switzerland Do you want i'm to dying to t i'm dying to tell people i don't want to steal the show because i'm known to talk but uh, it is caroline related so the first time I met Caroline was in Switzerland when I was doing a talk with Alien Wolf and Joe Arvin. And I had dinner with Caroline the night before and we were talking about this. And I am a skeptic uh, in the best sense of the word. I'm not a cynic about anything. I'm not like, oh, poo-poo to anything. I'm a skeptic that goes, oh, that sounds very interesting. But I want to see. I want to feel it. I want to experience it. I want to see the study. You know, I want a little bit of evidence. So Caroline calls me up the next day, me and, and maybe four or five other people. From a room of 30 or 40 who was stressed i think was the question good stress or bad stress so i was like oh okay my, my hands up and so caroline calls me up and licorice root powder gets produced and then you tell us that this is the you know really important kind of compound at, at least in eastern medicine really important and i wasn't quite sure what else it did but you said dip your finger that everybody pre-covid times into the powder and so the girl beside me goes first and and you ask her what's it taste like and she goes i don't like licorice and it comes to me and I taste it. It tastes like licorice. Goes up, goes up the road, people. It tastes like licorice. And as soon as the first girl put her second finger in the second time, she went, oh, that's a little bit sour. And you said, you can sit down. Came to me and said, it tastes like licorice. And uh, a couple of other people sat down. And on the third, my third dip, I put it in. I went, oh, and it got me, felt like it got me in the slivery glands, like one of those sour sweets. And I went, oh, that's, that's distasteful. I wouldn't eat any more of it 
and you said you can sit down. And one guy went five or six times dipping at it. And you had kind of said to him, buddy, you know, you're stressed. I think you might have said something to do with you. You might have suggested that there was something. It's more for the liver. It's a liquor supports the liver, but also the brain. It helps okay. with cognition. So, perfect, perfect, perfect demonstration of how my body just said, no, enough of that, buddy. So there was a mechanism in me that switched that off and said, you don't need to eat any more of that, which is phenomenal. And that's the difference between uh, the medicine you're saying there and say chocolate, where you don't get that feedback mechanism. You just keep eating and eating until you feel sick. And I as think a, I think with food, um, because we can store it as fat, then we eat it when we don't need it. But with medicine, it's or medicinal plants, secondary compounds, it's treated by the body in a pretty similar way to allopathic medicine. You know, it's it's broken down immediately when it enters the body and detoxified through you know, phase one, phase two enzymes to get it rid from the body. So an animal's not gonna take it as food. It's just not gonna happen. Just like, you know, if you have essential oil on your finger, um, if, if it's very, you know, if you need it, say it's lemon and you would rub it in, so it's just a tiny little taste to begin with, it would be, oh my God, that's amazing. But if you don't need it, it would be like, whoa, you wouldn't even be able to get it near your mouth. It's nothing it to sense. do with hunger. It provides no, um, uh, nutritional, no yeah. nutritional value, yeah, no metabolic value at all. So, and then the thing is with nutrients, they sort of help the body heal itself. Whereas Medicine, medicinal plants do the work for the body. And um, so that's kind of the main difference. And they're not usually that detrimental if they're not needed. So that's why the taste is pleasant or unpleasant. Whereas a, a plant medicine that you don't need could be detrimental if it's not needed, because like any other medicine, it's medicinal. But equally, if you do need it or that individual does need it, it can be um, life-saving relieve so much pain and suffering and and i just think this mechanism is so clever um that it's up to the individual to know exactly what they need and at what dose so our sort of job or the job is um you know just very simplistically here as a zoo um pharmacognosis is so say if you you, know, you think has that dog got gut problems you know why is their behavior like it is you know should we go for the gut or you know, or do we think it's a, that behavior is anything to do with pain? So, you know, you offer a few gut remedies. And it might be that that uh, dog, for example, you know, they might be very needing ginger, or it might be they're needing peppermint, or it might be they're needing fennel. So they all have different effects on the gut. So peppermint um, works to stimulate digestion, but it also relaxes the muscles in the esophagus because the menthol and peppermint blocks calcium channels, which relax the muscles. So you've got this wonderful, it's great for colic. So you've got this wonderful um, remedy that relaxes the muscles, but stimulates digestion. Or that individual might, might not be suited to peppermint, just might not work with their physiology. And so they might be fennel. And so they're, so they're sort of partners in many ways, because they do a similar job. Um, or it might be, the, the stomach needs relaxing or warming, and then that would be ginger. But equally, then you're going to look at the antimicrobials as well, because we all know, and you guys are specialists in this, we've got microbiome, that when the microbiome is out of balance, um, then you might have an overpopulation of E. coli or yeast. And so then that animal might select bitter almond, which helps 
combat uh, an overpopulation of E. coli, or they may select clove or um, geranium, depending on the individual, for an overpopulation and yeast. So it's really understanding, you're looking at the behavior, so a bit of the ethology involved here, because every dog is quite different to read. And then you're understanding the essential oils and profiles and where to go in and when to sort of like draw back and think, actually, no, I'm not really getting much of an interest with the gut remedies here. You know, maybe I should go to liver. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, or, and, and so you sort of feel out. So to begin with, you're, you're just feeling, where are they taking you? Are they taking you to pain? Are they, and, and usually they do work with the physical oils before the behavioral oils, unless they're in um, a rescue center or a stress situation. So dogs tend to work in the present. Um, so, if, uh, so if an animal has um, passed on or died or a companion, then yeah, it's very likely they're going to be selecting oils for that emotion, which is usually narrowly or mimosa. But um, Otherwise, most animals, especially if they're at a loving home, not all animals, because I know there's, you know, uh, other problems that could be going on, um, especially if they've been you know, from a puppy farm and things like that. But most animals generally want to work with oils to support the physical body before they go on to the mind. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a famous enough that... Um... And uh, he writes very skeptical pieces, and he just likes to like to um, likes to hate on people. I think, but uh, he 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 was saying, I find it incredible that anybody would look at a cat or a dog who are well known for self medication. We all see our dog eating grass and purging, or carefully selecting a bit of burdock or couch grass. You know, like, come on, Dudley, and he's looking for the perfect bit, be it for a, a vomit or a poo or something. And we know that their brains are twenty five percent olfaction that they can smell. In- they can smell homeopathic mixtures. Uh, uh, Anaheim Borgman, Professor Anaheim Borgman in Helsinki was saying, incredibly fine uh, sense of smell. To suggest, and, and studies abound showing that they will select protein and fat and carbs uh, depending on their needs. So cats do it, dogs do it. We've got musk here doing it. Me, captive mink were found that they have a pronounced ability to balance and regulate intake of protein and lipid when faced with several diff- different options. We've got owls. We've got, uh, which one's, this is the domestic cat, but here's a great one on wild carnivores. Do wild carnivores forage for prey or forage for nutrients? Evidence for nutrient-specific foraging invertebrate predators. And here's the conclusion. It was an analysis of all the information they have. Um, I'll pop this up on Facebook afterwards, guys. And they conclude, we conclude that it is highly likely that wild predators select prey or selectively feed on body parts according to their macronutrient composition. And if we know they do that, that's just an absolute fact repeating study after study. Why wouldn't they select certain compounds? Of course they would. If they, I mean, of course they would. And we know we can see them doing it. I find it incredible. It's nearly like somebody would have to prove they don't do it. You know, why would you take the position that they, you know, it's just this ridiculous misunderstanding of how powerful this big dooler is. You know? well, there was a, a vet who tried to stop my work quite a long time ago. And he spoke to Michael Hoffman, you know, saying, yeah, we understand that wild animals can self-medicate, but, you know, the Ingram group, you know, they're working with domestic domestic uh, uh, species. And he said, I'd like to be challenged.
by any animal that can't self-medicate. And he actually said, why don't you be a little bit more scientific and actually see what she's doing? You know, when yeah. a long time ago I had the RCVS, you know, um, you know, wanting to take my website down. This is a long time ago. This is yeah. in the early days when I started off. And I thought, oh, great, you know, now we can have some dialogue. And I can explain to them, no dialogue. And even the vet, the, the skep vet that has totally slagged me off, please can I have some dialogue? You know, it's not very scientific to, to, um, to, to trash something or to you know, rubbish something without having um, a debate about it or discussion, you know, and then yeah. put your point forward. And I can explain how it works with the signaling pathways and how the immune system is involved with taste and smell and so you know for example if we take um you know the animals injured um then there's going to be more um prostaglandins so that that's going to register in the body and that um is communicated to the immune system if there's more infect if there's infection there's going to be more cytokines if there's stress there's going to be even more adrenaline or more um firing of um anxiety neurons etc neurons and then that's going to register to the brain that information from the immune system tells the brain that hey we've got something out of balance something's wrong and this is also based on salt and calcium appetites where there's seeking behaviors when something is either too low or too much so when something is out of balance then these messages are sent to the brain and then that's when the brain um uh influences smell and taste and it's actually quite complex how it works with the uh, olfactory receptors but uh basically it's to do with um you know which um volatiles bind to which receptors so if you're needing um an anti-inflammatory because you've got excessive amount of prostaglandins being produced at the site of injury that individual will be producing uh, more receptors that um, bind with the um, anti-inflammatory volatiles. So, and then as soon as they have their dose, then it goes back to normal, and the animal goes back to foraging. You know, there, there is a science behind it, and it is quite complex, but it is there. Um, of course. Yeah. So it's. There's, there's, there's a lot of work. Um, uh, Fred Provenza in the book Nourishment. We were talking about it last week, and and they've actually he described work where they've where they've um looked at what cattle and sheep because they can they can, what they can do is they can put a hole in the side of a a cow or a sheep and they can actually see what that sheep selects in the field. Okay, so you've got a meadow and they've got twenty seven different types of grass, and what they what what they can do is they can do a blood test each day to say okay how's our balance of iodine and copper and cadmium and what have you and then they look at what the what the sheep or the cow actually selects and number one is no two cows no two sheep are the same and number two their requirement will will influence what foods what grasses and herbs they actually take from the pasture so this is you know all this information is coming together and do you find it funny that that science doesn't recognize that that other scientists are actually demonstrating that there is self-selection, even with the humble sheep, the humble cow, 
given the choice, they will select according to their needs. And two cows grazing together will actually be taking on different nutrient profiles. Does that does that frustrate you at all? That this half of science doesn't recognise what what the other half of science is saying. This is really obvious. But I th- I think that's happening a lot. There's a whole new science, um, especially where there's chronic disease, and there's there's uh, researchers in the forefront bringing out this amazing information, and it's almost like it's becoming into two parts. You know, one part seems quite old fashioned in many ways and getting left behind. That um, a whole new science is is being in many modalities, be it the microbiome, you know, in um, you know, um, looking at epigenetics and so on and so forth. I think it's really under, bringing all of these things together to have a deeper understanding on really how to deal with chronic disease and why we have it in the first place. I just want to say with homeopathy, because uh, I know Brendan's in the homeopathy. Yeah, I was so excited when I realized that um, they animals can self-medicate um, with... Um, with, with um, homeopathy, you know, and it's exactly in the same way. You know, my dog would just breathe into the bottle um, with the one she wanted. She had a condition that, yeah, she was selecting oils, but she still had this condition that a German Shepherd, you know, lesions around the adult area, so put her on um, antibiotics and steroids for the rest of her life. And I thought, well, there's something constitutional. I need to go somewhere else. I, and I'm not a homeopath. And I thought, okay, but I did have some remedies. And I thought, oh my God, wow, she's working with these in the same way with the oils. So she would inhale them and, and she would whistle into the bottle. And when she didn't, when she'd had enough, she turned her head to the side and, uh, and her eyes would go so deep. And then if she didn't want it, she would just turn her head to the side. If she wanted to take it by mouth, she'd mouth the bottle, it's a German Shepherd. So I put two um, little, you know, I put little uh, pills on a saucer and sometimes she'd take one and sometimes she'd take another. And then I spoke to my friend Tim, who, uh, Tim Cousins, who, uh, Nick, you know, and um, he's a homeopathic vet. And I was just telling him the story and he said, oh, you've got to try gunpowder. So he sent me some gunpowder and I offered it to her and she jumped away as if it was, you know, a really potent remedy. And I thought, wow, this is really impressive. So I thought, I think she needs it, but obviously not right now. And in a few days, you know, about three days later, three or four days later, that was her go-to. She's totally cured. This was years ago, about three years ago. Gunpowder. And I... Yeah, that's, we use gunpowder. As a remedy, yeah. And then... I mean, is gunpowder, tell me gunpowder's name for her, is it? Or do you actually no, it's mean a, one of them? No. It's actually gunpowder, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I was then speaking to Chris Day, and yeah, I was telling him that I was blown away with what I was finding. And I said, but what's quite interesting, I I have sepia with one brand, she won't select it. And I have sepia with another brand, and she will. And and he said, is that brand in the plastic bottle? And I said, yes. She wouldn't select any homeopathic remedies in plastic. And I thought, wow. That's cool. And then... There's two sort of schools of thought with sense of smell. One is the semi-chemistry, um, which is lock and key, which is one I was just talking about, you know, binding, aromas binding to receptors. And the other one is the swipe card, which is this uh, researcher called uh, Luca uh, Terran. And um, his is all on vibrational. 
and both are very are plausible and both have a place so you know sometimes it's thought that animals smell by vibration and other times by aromatic chemicals and other times there might be an interplay with both because neither can have the full answer so researchers think that they're both coming into play but I find it absolutely fascinating um yeah, yeah and sorry Nick just going back to your um, other subject with um, farm animals. Yeah, I used to work um, uh, actually for the French government with um, INRA, and I'd work a lot with um, biodynamic farmers. And yeah, it was fascinating. You know, I'd put different remedies out in buckets of water to see which one the worms, so all the goats with um, uh, possible nematodes were put in one paddock, paddock to see what they selected. And they all made a beeline for garlic and wormwood powder, not interested in the barley grass, you'd think, because the paddock had no enrichment, really. And um, then one of the farmers made a noise, and all the um, goats just went to the other side of the field, except for one. And she was really thin, really sickly, and she stayed with the, the bucket of garlic water, which is saying really that her survival is more dependent on the garlic than being with the herd. So I thought it was fascinating. And it was just fascinating doing that research when you've got groups of animals uh, with different problems to see what the key remedies are that they're selecting. So all the mums would select St. John's wort and bonnygrass and sometimes rose. So um, yeah, it was fascinating. So could I ask then, with regard to uh, some of these medicines, you've you've talked about oils, you've talked about powders, you've talked about you know herbs being in the pasture. So what's the sort of different approaches there? You've got three different options. You know, people out there are going to be saying, "Look, I love to give my cats a herb garden that's growing fresh." Uh, some will want to be uh, using aromatherapy oils, so the essential oils, you know, as options. I guess convenience, you know, because they're in a bottle and they're quite pungent. Um, there'll be some people that are actually offering dried herbal powders. Have you got an approach that sort of selects out of those which you would go to in a certain situation? Yeah, so looking at species, so if we look at the cat, then um, you know, herbs, well, all species really, you know, herbs are there when the body is just, you know, when something's about to take hold. And then, you know, the herbs hopefully we'll keep it at bay or you know, get rid of whatever is there. But when the condition becomes more advanced, that's when the essential oils come in because they're so potent. But the great thing is with them is that you can be dilute by, by working with them at a distance and then you can go in stronger and stronger and stronger. What is your dose? You know, with a cat, you're, you're looking at the diet. So cats don't eat much vegetation, so they're not going to have the enzymes in the same way a horse does to break down plant chemicals. So it's very likely that a horse will lick an essential oil if there's an internal problem. Uh, some horses prefer to inhale because, as we said, every individual is different, but equally, it's um, a lot of horses will take their remedies by mouth, undiluted. If they need it quickly into the, into the body, they're liquidly underneath of the tongue. If they want to um, adjust the speed, they'll do several drops of the Underneath, then on top, underneath, then on top. With a cat, they're actually quite easy to work with because it's pretty much only inhalation. And um, 
it, it, it's you can put the herbs out there to give you a clue, you know, if to see, yeah, are they going for the chamomile flowers, the peppermint? Um, and, and that would maybe give you an idea that, oh, I think I'm going to offer some stomach remedies. But I would only do it if you feel they might be a bit poorly or there's a behavioral problem, you know, where's that behavioral problem coming from? Um, and, you know, generally healthy animals don't select essential oils like healthy people don't select medicine um and so the herbs are the you know that they're, they're not as concentrated so it's it just and when i work with the homeopathy it's it's when i'm thinking okay do i need to go somewhere because i look at the oils as being a little bit more physical physical emotion physical even though they can take the mind back to memories depending on what you're working with or you know it's physical toxins and i know homeopathy can do that too but i think homeopathy can almost see around corners that um in places that can't be seen and it's a as a medicine that can't be seen and you know so if i feel i've gone as far as i can with one then i'll see how i can go with the other and sometimes you know with my dog if she seems a little bit poorly she's well i mean she's if she's on an off day, I think, oh, okay, do you need something? Do you need some support, some fennel? No, not into her usual favourites. Okay, do you want some homeopathy? Oh, yeah, she's working with homeopathy tonight. So I just sort of get a feel of where she wants to take me. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's really interesting what you say with potency there. I mean, for um, potency within homeopathy, uh, I'll see exactly what you've described, where some animals will absolutely, you know, almost inhale the remedy that they want or desire the remedy. Sometimes the difficulty is that it's the potency we've got slightly wrong. And actually, if you give the same remedy, but at a different potency, all of a sudden that reaction that you described earlier will change dramatically because it's the potency. That so I tried the different potencies too. So if I know she's sort of going for one, then I get another potency and say, hey, which one do you want? It's fascinating. You know, people often mistakenly call me an aromatherapist. I'm not an aromatherapist. Yes, I've studied essential oils incredibly deeply. I'm not a herbalist. I'm not a homeopath. I basically specialize in animal self-medication, you know, watching what they select. And, you know, the dogs are the most difficult because they can be very subtle in their responses and the oils are very strong for a lot of dogs so um, you have to kind of ease them into it and that stimulates their sort of enzymes and then they seem to want to have a stronger dose if they need it but um yeah it's for people that want to for people that want to see this because it's, it's it's one thing talking about it but um it's another thing kind of uh seems i check go to youtube and just type in caroline's name uh, type in zoo pharmacognosy or just Carolyn Ingraham on YouTube and you'll see it working and how subtle uh, it is. Initially, you'll think, what am I looking at here? But then you will get the idea of often the dog will present her leg like there's the vagus nerve here or, you know, it's, 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 it's quite incredible when you see it working. Will you, before we sign off, will you tell us um, your story about the elephant? I I tell you what I, I was gonna I'm, I think it would be fantastic to hear the elephant story, but we've got three minutes, so I'm going to suggest a couple of things. Number one is Caroline, tell us about how people can get onto your course, and please, because people I think they like you more than they like her. But please come and see us again when you start your new courses, your new your new mini courses, 
yeah, that you were just describing. But um, uh, so please, will you come and see us again? Is it number one? Number two is please tell us again how people can get in touch with you. Uh, just and then yeah. when we go over to Patreon, if you could tell us the elephant story, if it is going to take some time, because we've got more time to actually do it properly, if that works. Okay, do you want me to do the elephant story another time? We, no, we, no, we're just, just going to just in a minute. This, in a minute, this finishes. We never told you, Carolyn, but this finishes in, in about two or three minutes, and then we just do another ten minutes on Patreon. So uh, we'll save the elephant story. But where where do people where do people find you, Carolyn? Okay, um, just put in my name, Caroline Ingraham, or www.carolineingraham.com, and you should yeah, the courses will come up. Just click on it, and right. and wow. you'll find it. Can I just put a message out there that a lot of people get really um, stuck with. They think that a do- uh, an oil is only needed if a dog smells it. Well, that's a huge dose for a lot of dogs. You're looking at the breathing and you're looking at stillness and you're looking at the eyes much more so than the breathing. So um, then sniffing it, sorry. So I just want to put that out there because a lot of people say, oh, my dog's not interested in oils and the dog is really working with it, but doesn't need that dose of the sniffing. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like they're in the room, isn't it? They they can be in the room and they're still taking the oil on, and it's the you know if they had too much of it, they leave the room. It's not. Uh... Yeah, exactly. And you're looking if they're working with it, you're looking how deep the breathing is, not if they're sniffing it or not. And that's a really misconception that a lot of people um, think it's about sniffing the oil. Now that's a huge yeah, really. uh Thank you to everyone. We're gonna jump over to Patreon. Uh, if you want to join there in about an hour's time, you'll hear the elephant story from Caroline, and we're all looking forward to that. Um, hopefully, there will still be dry eyes in the house afterwards, but we'll see. Um, and um, from there, we will um, uh, catch you all next week with Q and A, I believe it is. That's the question and answers uh, for us next week. Uh, so. Thank you all for your attention. Thank you for so many wonderful comments and all of the, um, I think everybody has put links to your book, to your website, to your courses. Uh, It's just been an amazing response, uh, Caroline. So uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for um, asking me. Brilliant. Okay, everybody out there, we're going to see you shortly. Um, If you want to know uh, how to join us, uh, just follow the link for patreon.com forward slash wallpetmedics. We'll uh, post the video afters um, a bit on the side um, very shortly. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Oh, thank you. Thanks Thanks for asking me and giving me a voice. Amazing. Amazing. Blah, 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 blah.